Good morning, good afternoon, good night. Welcome to Craft Heads Podcast, episode 142. This is the podcast about everything, but also nothing, where every episode is something different. Welcome back. Uh, Tara is helping me hold down the fort as usual. Tommy is going to be going to Argentina with Claire here in a couple of days. It's April 21st. Tara and I are recording late at night uh, to keep bringing you guys this illustrious content. So thanks for doing this with me, Tara. You're welcome. Beautiful. Beautifully done. So for anybody who is joining us for the first time, um, we've told you what the podcast is about. I do this with my my uh, lifelong best friend of 22 years now at this point, Tommy. Um, every episode is, uh, as I said, about something different, and we always have a craft cocktail of some kind. And uh, I figure Tommy will appreciate this. Whenever he listens to this, he's going to be jealous but um, we have a transfusion, which is apparently a, an older cocktail. But um, this one is, it's, I think it's seeing something of a resurgence in the golf community right now. And it's, it's a light vodka-based drink. I see every, a lot of people like to make it with Tito's. It's just pretty much a, a pretty standard uh, favorite vodka, actually, across the board. But um, it's that Concord grape juice and... Uh, ginger ale and lime juice, and then there are variants uh, on a theme of of those ingredients. So I actually have two here tonight. I made one for Tara and myself, and I want you to taste them and tell me which one you like better. And I'm going to tell everybody the the difference between them. I can't wait. Give that one a whirl for you. Cheers. Cheers. That tastes like a um, a Welch's grapefruit snack chew. It doesn't taste like an alcoholic beverage at all. Okay. It is Welch's grape juice, so that's good. Now try this one and tell me if you like it better. Or worse. Or the same. I like the first one better. Okay. Yeah. I like the first one better as well. The first one is a simpler... It's a simpler mix, I think, and a little bit more straight to the point. So it has the the grape juice, the lime juice, the ginger ale, and vodka. Whereas the second one that I made, uh, and to be fair, I didn't do it totally properly. This um, this recipe that I found online actually is Concord grape juice ice cubes, and then you put that in uh, club soda, or, you know, sparkling water of some kind, ginger syrup. I used ginger liqueur, pretty much the same thing, um, and then of course the lime juice and vodka as well. So it's a slightly different setup. I do agree. I think I like the simpler one better, like just with the the uh, the ginger ale. As, as the main base in the body along with the grape juice, but they're still both very good. And it's, it's a very refreshing drink. I'm not a golfer myself, but I could see why Tommy went through an entire gallon of pre-made stuff with he and his buddies whenever, uh, whenever they went to a recent golf outing. So, Oh, it's super drinkable. Yeah. Super awesome. But that's the, the transfusion is the drink of the episode. And uh, before we move on to the topic, you probably saw this is another rundown for you. We have fewer movies than usual. Uh, this time, I think we only have about 14, which is good because we've had uh, some pretty long episodes uh, recently to make up for a little bit of a dearth of content. We apologize for that. Uh, but I still am a big believer in like the shorter, more bite-sized episodes and more of them. So hopefully we can help deliver that here today. But one thing I do want to uh, follow up on first, the, the main reason that I insisted that we record tonight. So thank you, Tara, for sticking with me uh, late this evening, is I wanted to revisit 
we once talked about a a very well-known and uh, reputed restaurant here in Atlanta called Gun Show. And actually, we, we talked about it on episode 117 because Tommy and um, his then-fiancé had gone, and they had a great time and everything. And, and it's funny because I think a lot of times on Craft Heads, we sort of just rant and rave about things that are amazing. And it's also good to to try and be and be critical of things. And like there actually was one or two things that didn't work out perfectly for, for Tommy with his experience at Gun Show, one of them being that um, – Claire is not really a fish person, so he had to like overeat his side of things. And uh, he also found out he doesn't like sunchokes. So um, that's if you want to check that out, um, that's definitely a time when we spoke about this restaurant before. But not only did I want to spend just a couple of minutes going over it, our experience um, here with Tara, but I wanted to give a shout out to somebody who had a weirdly profound effect on me over the past couple of weeks. So we already talked about what it is. It's basically dim sum style. It's uh, it's Kevin Gillespie's restaurant, uh, one of a couple I think that he has. Um, he's a very well known chef. He's on the uh, was on the show Top Chef before, and um, just really world class food. The place is it's like world class, but it's not pretentious. It's upscale, but it's not fancy. You would have to go to understand, but it, it's just. It's really a great place, and um, whenever you're served, you have the some of the chefs actually coming out to deliver dishes. You have uh, the mixologists going. There's one guy that has a cart that he makes drinks and brings them to you, like right there at the table. Um, but our primary, I guess, main server who like sat us and everything and walked us through some of the things on the menu, his name was Max, and I'll just say not only was the environment and the food outstanding for us, but he really lended himself to the to the, what a great experience we had and my favorite thing about it was you know at the very end of the meal uh whenever we were you know finishing up and then we left on the way out I of course I had to I had to CHP him up and when I told him about the podcast I've gotten lots of oh this is really cool and thank you and and fist bumps or handshakes or what have you but Max gave me this big hug and it was just amazing. It just made me feel good and restored a tiny little bit of faith in humanity, making that little connection with, you know, for all intents and purposes, a total stranger. So, Max, I know I told you this was coming out, and I wanted to get it out sooner than this. I hope you're still listening for it. And uh, like ripples in a pond, you had a, a ripple effect on me, and just I really appreciate it and appreciate that evening that we had at Gun Show. Anything you wanted to add, Tara? It was wild, and every time I try to think about my favorite dish or anything I had, I still like everything was so different and so unique. I loved it all. Truly. Yep. Yeah. And I want to uh, just say real quick to take this back to your, to your leaders and let uh, Kevin Gillespie know about this. Um, they, I think they used to do a sort of like a by the head, like a per head um, charge. Yeah. So to, Clarify, I think what Claire mentioned when we spoke to her and Tommy recently, I think because of COVID, they had to do it that way where they just, they brought everything out and like, you just, you paid for that. And now that COVID's kind of eased up restrictions, they're able to do the more mingling. Um, I guess this was the intent, like the way that they bring out the dish, they present it, they talk a little bit about it. And then you can either accept the dish or like if, say, for example, you have like an allergy, you can say, oh, no, sorry, you know, I'm allergic to whatever that is or I'm just not interested. Or you can order another and they mark it on your sheet and they you 
you know, pay by the quantity of the dish that you order. So. Yep. And we, we definitely had one of everything, by the way, we had three people with us. We were celebrating our friend James, who's moving out, who lived with us for almost two and a half years and, you know, just wanted to go out with a bang, uh, pun intended at a really awesome restaurant. And we personally thought that three people was the absolute ideal experience because none of us were like stuffed, but we were also completely satisfied and full. So that worked out really nicely. And again, I just want to say, I really like this format better than like a, a really expensive per head charge because I was braced for, to be totally honest, uh, a much more savage bill. And I, I it was going to probably just going to be like a one and done thing to say like, Oh, we've been there and we loved it and it was great, but I probably wouldn't have been back if it was like way more expensive. I'm going back now. This is going to be like, I would say at least a quarterly thing. Yeah. I would say at minimum, yeah, twice minimum. a year, uh, yeah. minimum. Oh well, yeah, I'm thinking even I, a little bit more than that. It was it was pretty accessible in terms of the price. And again, so the way this is set up is, I think we got nine entrees and one dessert, and between three people, I mean, I was very satisfied at the mm-hmm. end of the evening. Yeah, you get a few bites out of each dish, and honestly, I, I would eat every meal of my life like this if I could because I, I just get so many different flavors and ingredients and experiences all in one meal instead of, you know, even if you get a world-class dish, it's, and you know, it's a really large meal, you're still eating a bunch of the same stuff. So this is just a lot more fun, very much, very much my speed. And uh, we didn't have any of the sunchokes, you know, so uh, I actually still have the menu from that night. Um, but uh, they were uh, bao buns, pork croquettes, octopus, pulpo, um, lion's mane, redfish, cris- crispy sweetbreads, shrimp waffle, rabbit tortellini, Bear Creek Farm Tartar, which was actually one of my favorite things. Yep. And then Canelay, uh for dessert. So if any of that sounds good to you, which it probably should, make that a special trip. You know, if you want to celebrate something with somebody or, you know, get a couple friends together or whatever, I'm telling you, you will not regret going to Gun Show. And uh, the funny thing is, Kevin, or I'm sorry, Tommy and Claire actually met. They ran into Kevin. Um. I think it was April 14th or 15th. I can't remember that they were eating at a place. I won't, you know, divulge too much information, but I think it was around the Marietta area and they were at a restaurant and they, and so Kevin, if you wind up hearing this, my co-host, Tommy, that's the guy you met. And I told him like, what did you tell him about craft heads? And he was like, no, I forgot as usual. So shame on you, Tommy. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, that, that was really cool. I was glad that you, um, that they got to meet you. Cause now they've, they've been there, I think a couple of times and we're just really, really huge fans. So, and I forgot about one thing with Max specifically. Um, one of the the best piece of advice he gave me all night. By the way, their cocktails were as magnificent as their food. They were really, really wacky and weird, and and some of them were really savory, which I loved. My only disappointment here is that so I'm looking at the list. Alex is holding it up. There are a total of eight different unique cocktails. <laughs> we got seven of them. So I wish we would have gotten that eighth. Well, to I, don't round know, it out. I don't know what you're talking about. Seven's a perfect number. But <laughs> I remember asking Max, like midway through the meal, you know, if that I was looking at the the epilogue, uh, and there's there's the main thing that's in it that I think would have thrown us off was the cream. And he was like, I'm paraphrasing, but he was basically saying, you know, it's it's like a dessert drink. He's like, you're not going to want that right in the middle of your meal. So I thought, okay, he might have even said something along the lines of, I mean, it's the epilogue. You know, like implying you should wait. So at the end of the meal, that was the very last thing that we did, even after dessert, I think. And 
that just completed the experience so perfectly. That was the moment that I knew Max was the man. Yeah, I would agree. I think there were some tasting notes in that that were like really like uh, intense, if that is a good word to describe them. And it was it was a perfect thing to kind of like round out your evening because again, unique and the flavors are so intense. It kind of I think it would have impacted the taste of the food itself because I mm-hmm. think there was like some perfumey notes, some floral. Yeah, the floral amaro. That was one of the ingredients. Mm-hmm. So that that definitely has its own flavor profile, which would not have gone well with some of the other stuff on the menu. Yep. And for the record, my favorite cocktail, which I would kill for one right now, and, and I won't read all the ingredients from all the other stuff because there's just so many and it's so obscure, but this had embered pear whiskey, yuzu, black bean and caramelized rice, smoked tea, and the notes are uh, smoky, pleasant, and robust, all of which I would agree. Um, the yuzu is what did it for me. I am very much a yuzu boy. I cannot get enough of it. I love getting like yuzu ramen and stuff at Okiboru. And oh my God, that cocktail was, it was one to remember. Thank you, Max. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Gun Show. Um, on with the show, I suppose. Yep. On to the movies. Take us through them. You all know the drill by now. Um, for movie rundowns, we're going to go through, I'm going to give the name of the movie, the year it came out. The, and then on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics score first, then the audience. So you'll hear those two numbers. And then the all-important metric, of course, of runtime, how long the movie is. Everybody knows that's very important to me. And then a rating. It will be avoid at all costs, skip, watch, or must-see. Those are, That's the order from shittiest to best. And if it's must-see, those are the kind of movies that um, if you watch a must-see on our list and you paid money to rent it, and you don't like it, I'll refund you. That's how I, I take those take those recommendations seriously. If it's not a must-see, though, I won't back it up. And uh, just another tidbit, remember, Alex, you post these in Discord, right? The Craft Heads Discord in the pinned messages yes. on the Movie Recos channel. So, you know, if you do go look, you like go look at the pins, and you can see these little like charts that he has, and you can easily um, filter through and look for um, stuff that's flagged as must-see. Good plug, Tara. Yeah, there, there's a nice, easy-to-read uh, table and chart in there. And that way, if you ever want to watch a movie, you can just look right at it um, and you know scan it for all the must-watches or whatever you want. I mean, in some cases, some are so bad that they're good or whatever. But uh, anyways, let's get started. Tara, I know I put these together and sometimes I have to jog your memory, but I think you'll remember all of these. The Girl with All the Gifts, 2016, 85 critics, 67 audience, runtime 151. Watch. I almost want to call this a must-see. Now, that's, first of all, I just love the movie. It's so good. It's, I'm going to say for the average viewer, it's a it's a fun twist on a zombie flick. I, however, am a extra big fan because it's basically the movie form of Last of Us. If anybody's heard of that uh, PlayStation uh, franchise, it's basically zombies except a fungus that controls your your brain and your mind, which there is shit like that in nature with you know various insects and everything. It's it's quite terrifying actually. So uh, cordyceps, I think, is the the type of fungus, but it's definitely a watch for us and possibly even a must see. So check that one out. Yep. Okay, funny one. Rent a pal, twenty twenty. Critics, 67. Audience, 63. Tara is shaking her head and looking away. Runtime, 148. 
Tara, I don't remember if you were like watching the whole time, but it was one of those movies that you were just appalled I with. Hated. I hated watching it because it made me feel so gross. So I would say watch it because it's very well done that it made me feel that way. But I was just uncomfortable and it, it just made me feel icky. So we're giving conflicting messages here. Quick, like what it, it's basically like this, this super uh, introverted guy who's looking for love, you know, and he's approaching middle age, probably in his 30s or something like late 30s, maybe even early 40s. And uh, boy, that makes me feel old saying that shit. And uh, there's this insane VHS style Tinder program, basically, that he's a part of to try and get matched with people, lives with his mom, takes care of his mom. And without, I won't say anything else other than, first of all, uh, Will Wheaton is in it, who plays uh, Ensign Crusher, Wesley Crusher in Star Trek Next Generation, which is one of my favorite shows of all time. And he's a very widely either hated or loved character. I think he's fine. I don't know. I, I think he's kind of fun in the show but that was an interesting thing for to see him in much later as an adult and what my official rating is if you like to be made to feel uncomfortable which i do i love whenever a piece of media makes me feel weird or cringy or like oh my god i can't watch this but i but i also have to watch it i would say definitely watch it if you don't like that feeling, skip this. And the what happened toward the end of the movie, like legit freaked me out and just made me feel like shit. And it was hard to watch. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> interpret that how you wish. Next one, Major Grom. I can't remember what the subtitle is, but I think it's the Plague Doctor or something like that. Um, Russian movie, uh, year 2021. Critics, there isn't anything on Rotten Tomatoes, but audience 78, runtime 216. It's a little bit long. Um, and again, it, it is in Russian as well. I've got to say, I'm going heavy with these recommendations. I'm going to say must-see on this one. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I was I was in between watch and must-watch. And so, you know, I'll go with you. I'll, I'll lean must-watch. It was, it was fun. I think the reason I went must-see must is because uh, it's the hipster in me saying it's an alternative. It honestly, it is so good. It's like Marvel Cinematic Universe quality, but completely unrelated and obviously just its own standalone thing. I just thought it was super awesome. Really cool to check out. Um, I know Russia is a bit of a, a hot button topic right now, obviously. Uh, we, we watched this. This was earlier in the year. I think it was in like January or February. But um, yeah, on that matter, as usual, uh, horrible people are causing strife all over the world for the average person who doesn't deserve it. That's... Definitely not a unique situation, and it's terrible. Um, the House, year 2022. 97 critics, audience 71, 137 runtime. Tara? What was this again? The Tim Burton movie. Uh, and it's Oh, like, the, it, the, it was like claymation. stop motion. Must watch. I agree. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so Major Grom... Was like a We're for doing me, a lot of these must watch for, for Major Grom. For me, it was like a middle of the road must watch, kind of like whatever. But the house, I went into it and I was just like, What the fuck is this? And um, 
it did not disappoint the further it went. I think the movie is split into like three different parts or acts, if you will. And each one has like its own theme in a way, but it's all centered around a house of sorts. So yeah, that was a very interesting and it was, um, it almost felt like mini episodes. Like yeah. it was easy to digest. Yep. Yeah. There's three within it. And, and I think there might be more. I saw online that that was almost considered as season one or like the first part or whatever i will totally watch more but like this this central house connects a bunch of storylines and timelines in a really well in a way that you would expect only from tim burton i I agree with you tara i i honestly would give it a must see especially at that runtime some really weird shit in it Mm -hmm. so brace yourself Uh, a couple of those moments where you feel like ooh, shivery yes um cargo year 2019 Critics, 64. Audience, 67. Runtime, 159. This is not the cargo that we did a couple of movie rundowns ago where it has... Oh, shit. What's uh, what's Bilbo Baggins? Martin Freeman? I think that's his name. I think so, yeah. Uh, but he was in like Australia or New Zealand or something. There was sort of like a zombie outbreak. Not that one. This is an Indian, uh, like, Bollywood movie. Also in... in um, I apologize for my ignorance, whatever Indian specific language or dialect it is. Um, but, and, and there's, there's a lot of English in it as well, like sort of interspersed throughout. And I was actually asking my one friend of Indian heritage, if that is a really common thing, like in spoken Indian languages, or if it's just because they're sort of appealing to a wider audience and everything. And he, he did confirm that it's the latter. And, um, you know, basically, they're they're trying to show that they're like more elevated and everything and global, but yeah. And, and this movie um, is set in space. Mm-hmm. That's that's like the background of it. So if you're looking for this movie online, uh, you could type in you know Indian movie cargo or something like that, and mm-hmm. if it doesn't pop up with like you know some kind of space theme, it's not the right movie. Yeah, and this so th- this one's tough because it's very unique and cool. I loved the fact that it takes place in space, but with all like this really retro analog technology. I loved that aspect of it. I also, it's like a really, it's a weirdly good airplane movie, which is what I watched it on. On Actually, Tara and I both watched it. Um, It is a little long, and I didn't get quite the resolution that I wanted out of it. I was just going to say, for me, with all the heavy-handed must-sees and must-watches, this is my skip. Yeah, and again, I almost feel bad because it's it's an endearing movie, and I think it's very unique and cool. Just, you know, that's that's it. I'm just going to go with a soft skip. That's all. It's It does not mean it's a bad movie, just compared to the other ones that we've read for various reasons. We, have to, we had to break the streak at yeah. some point. Cargo was the unfortunate recipient. Um, keeping that streak going... Another airplane movie, The Wandering Earth, 2019, 69 critics, 48 audience, 205 runtime. Skip. Yeah, definite. I don't want to say avoid at all costs, but it, this is a Chinese film, also in uh, spoken in, in Chinese. Um, basically, the Earth is, or the sun, I think, is expanding and it's going to swallow up the Earth. So they install all these crazy booster jets on the Earth to like plummet it, send it way out of the solar system, hence the Wandering Earth title. And of course, cataclysm ensues, and it's crazy, and it's it's over the top silly, and the special effects yeah. are like they're kind of fun, but it's it's a skip for me. Yeah, it almost felt like they were trying to pack in like 
an entire one or two seasons of like a television show and mm-hmm. like the amount of content that goes into a TV show into this one single movie. And it's just like shit was happening so fast. I was like, I don't even know what's going on. Like where'd these people get here? I, I don't know. Th- that was the only confusing part for me. Um, I, the premise I thought was an interesting idea. The execution was a lot. Overall, it's kind of dumb. It's yeah. just kind of a dumb movie, in, in our opinion. Um, Hush, 2016, 93 audience, seven, or I'm sorry, 93 critics, 73 audience, 127 runtime. I had seen this before, but the reason I wanted, uh, I, I recently rewatched it and I wanted Tara to see it because she had not, sort of a follow-up to our Midnight Mass episode, same creator, Mike Flanagan, and what is so cool is in the beginning of the movie, uh, the the lead actress who is also actually there are several of the same actors from midnight mass who are in this or vice versa i guess technically and she is writing or has written a book called midnight mass and all the character names are the same and they talk about the book in the show and everything and it's it's really cool because it was uh, mike flanagan's way of keeping his idea and dream of this particular show that he wanted to make midnight mass um alive so really neat little Easter eggs. I would definitely recommend it if you've seen Midnight Mass. Um, otherwise, I would still give it a soft watch. Yeah, I was just going to say watch. Um, it, it it would be a great movie to watch. Like if you want like, you know, Halloween times and people want to watch horror movies and spooky movies. This is a very uncomfortable movie. It's a thriller. Um Horror, and yeah, quick and I easy would, horror thriller. Yeah, and I would say must watch for people that um, like that kind of thing, but also were really into um, Midnight Mass, mm-hmm. that yeah, TV for show. Those because love letters. we, yeah, we watched Midnight Mass first, and then we watched Hush, and watching Hush with you know all the knowledge of that TV show in my in my brain. And seeing all the crossover, the characters, and in the and the, the yeah, everything was just very, very, kind of like third, you know, the fourth wall shattering. Yeah. So, yeah, it, yeah, cool, cool movie for sure. Um, definitely a lot of moments where you're screaming at the TV, like, "Why are you doing that? Oh, why, why isn't she doing this instead?" Oh, she's, people are real dumb. She's a she's a deaf mute living on her own, and basically, there's a a burglar coming. Well, not even a burglar; he's a psychopath coming to play cat and mouse with her, and eventually try and kill her. But um, the biggest thing going for it with all these other factors, the fact that it's so short, hour 27, it's an easy watch for me, I think. Uh, Next up, Fresh, 2022, 81 critics, 82 audience, 154 runtime. I don't want to give away a whole lot about this one. I will say watch. I was going to go must-see. Ah, I I have never given, I I usually try and keep the must-sees to like maybe three to five in a list. And we have, and furthermore, we have a shorter list here. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe whenever I make the final table, I'll call this down and throw out a lot of must watches. I know, I know. People are going to cash in. (laughs) Whenever I do the, that's right. I'm going to, I'm going to get us to be broke. Um, Maybe once I make the final table and I put my, I stamp it in writing, it'll be a little different. It's definitely a watch for me. I, I just, I really like. I would say definitely a watch. I don't know. I don't know about must watch if you're really into that kind of That's thing. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, moving on, a little bit of diversity here. The Adam Project. This is with Ryan Reynolds. That's his name, right? 2022. Uh, critics 68. Audience 75. Runtime 146. Skip. Skip. Yeah, yeah easy skip. Don't it, even talk about it. Just say skip. It's like a family kid friendly movie 
make some corny jokes and stuff. It's a quasi-interesting premise, but just, it's kind of lame. I, again, yeah. skip. Um, Shooter. I know probably, if you like these movie podcasts, 90% of you have probably seen this, but 2007, Mark Wahlberg, uh, Critics 48, Audience 80, Runtime 206. The reason this is on the list, it, everybody had seen it. We watched it with Tommy and Claire. Obviously, Tara had seen it. I had not. I was the only one who hadn't seen it. Everybody told me I needed to. And yeah, it was great and definitely a fan favorite and a watch for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Easy. Um, no Exit, 2022, Critics 58, Audience 55, Runtime 135. Randomly had the Allstate guy in it. Uh, do you remember that? The the dude with the super amazing voice. They're, they're stuck at like a rest stop uh, in the middle of a blizzard. Oh. Yeah. And I would say it's a it's a pretty well done thriller. Again, lots of moments like in Hush where you're like, oh, what the hell? Why aren't you doing this instead? And a lot of things are avoidable. What's your sense on this one? Um, I think for the sake of sprinkling in some more uh, pragmatism here, I'm going to go skip. There are better thrillers. Yeah. Yep. I would agree. Yeah. So, including Hush. Like, if you had to watch one or the other, I would probably go Hush. Um, but it wasn't terrible. I would just say it's skippable. The Invisible Man, 2020, 92 critics. I don't know why there were no audience scores. 204 runtime. Musty. Yep. Must watch. Um, the, okay, so this if has. You like thriller type. Thriller horror. Yeah. yeah. I would say more on the side of thriller. This is Elizabeth Moss. That's her name, right? I know she's in a bunch of stuff nowadays. Uh, the two main things, of course, Mad Men, she's Peggy Olsen, and there's that one show called like The Handmaiden's Tale or something like that. I think so. I, yeah, I, I, never I, saw I can that. just, neither have I, I can just picture her. Um, but this was, I'm just going to say this was just one of the best thrillers I've seen in a very, very long time. There is a scene, and if you choose to watch this, this th- there is a scene, and it horrified me. Like, it made me jump, like, out of my skin. You have to remind me and tell me which one after this. After this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Tara just made yes. a gesture. But, uh, yeah, that it's it's seriously so good. It's, of course, a retelling and, like, a reimagining of a of an older, very old movie, I want to say, from, like, the, the 30s or something like that. And, um, you know, there was the goofy one from... I don't remember, late 90s, early 2000s with Kevin Bacon called Hollow Man. Similar premise for sure, um, which that movie got pooped on. I think that's a fun movie as well. But uh, this one is, this is truly an excellent movie. This is one of the ones I'm 100% sure is going to make my my in-writing must-see at the end of this podcast. Yep. Uh, two left. Contagion, 2011. 85 critics, 63 audience, 146 runtime. Basically, there is a worldwide pandemic, um, and you know it's it's killing people off like crazy. It's very contagious, and of course, it's. I think there were a lot of people talking about it with uh, in in the context of COVID and saying like how many similarities there were and everything like that. I will say this is a an objectively much more serious type of pandemic situation. Um, I, this, it made sense that this movie came out, you know, 10, 11 years ago, because I've, I've always heard all my adult life that epidemiologists and scientists are always saying like, oh, it's not a matter of if, but a matter of when in terms of, 
uh, you know, like a crazy global pandemic uh, exploding and, and killing a, a lot of people and, you know, it, basically ravaging the world. And I will say this, the one in the movie is much, much more serious than COVID. I'm not trivializing it or anybody's personal experiences or narratives with it or anything like that. But I did point out um, a friend, uh, Jake, uh, told me to watch it. And I, I was texting in our group chat about how I thought this did a, a better telling of, well, not a better, but it was basically showing how devastating something could be if the, you know, mortality rates were much, much higher on, on a disease. And, um, you know, as an example, I looked up the numbers. This was on March 17th because I'm looking at an old iMessage thread. So uh, don't quote me on it now, you know, but I assume they're not too, too far off at this point. Um, you know things like the the bubonic plague like th- those kinds of things they that one in particular killed off over 20% of the world population that's what historians estimate whereas covid at the, at that time whenever i looked at the numbers cuz i googled it i think there were around 6 million global deaths and 8 billion people in the world so covid hasn't even killed 0.1% of the world population so this was like a a look at what something could be like if it was if there was a much higher mortality rate to the point where basically like if you get it you're gonna die because they didn't have a you know like a cure or anything although they they definitely went through the trials to get a vaccine and everything as quickly as they could but uh, crazy ensemble cast I did like that about it um very weird abrupt ending do you remember that I didn't think it was weird at all I don't I don't know why to me it because just because the the movie starts at day two, mm-hmm. so contact. They, and in the in the in the movie, you see like there's like a mask wearing. They talk about, obviously about vaccines, social distancing, washing yeah, your hands, specifically social distancing, be a clean person generally, and yeah, and whatnot. And so the 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 movie starts off with day two, and you see someone's a little sick uh, in you know a restaurant, airport layover, whatever wherever they are at. And the movie, and, and from that, it progresses through the whole like disease, modern day, whatever. And they basically, at the same time, you see a parallel with the, um, you know, the World Health Organization, CDC, agencies like that, trying to track down, okay, where did it originally, you know, doing the contact tracing, trying to pinpoint where exactly it came from so that they can do the research and, you know, try to get everything worked out. And it finishes on day one where contact is made between a, you know, However, I don't want to spoil it, but you see the day one contact uh, transfer happen from, you know, wh- whatever it was. Yeah, patient zero. And so I, I thought that made total sense because it gives you a little air of mystery. Like, I'm not, where did it come I'm not from? saying it didn't make sense. It was just really abrupt. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I guess. What's, are you a watch or skip on it? Watch, definitely. Are you? Yeah. So I was telling Alex about another movie and also in the group chat um, there's a ni- mid '90s movie, very I think it's the same exact story. Um, well, not same exact, but it's the same theme of pandemic, and it's called Outbreak, and it's got Dustin Hoffman in it. Yeah, it wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. I, I enjoyed watching it, but it airs on the side of a little long for me, and it was kind of just like I don't know. I'm gonna go with a skip on it. it wasn't anything earth shattering for me. Uh, last movie, Dune, 2021. We were waiting to squeeze this one in. Critics, 83. Audience, 90. Runtime, 235. Absolute must-see. 
this movie was a, from my perspective, a triumph and a masterpiece. So the way I keep describing it to people, and I haven't like I haven't been able to brand a movie as this before. You hear the term high fantasy, almost separately distinguishable from just regular fantasy. It's you know like really magic dungeons and dragons and castles and bullshit and whatever. This is high science fiction. This is as high as science fiction gets. The special effects were unbelievable. The sound design of the movie, everything, all of the lore, it is just so unbelievably cool. I'm also a huge fan of the original 1984 David Lynch one. And it's, I honestly, I would almost, if you're interested in the whole world and universe of Dune, I would recommend watching the David Lynch one just so you could ex- you can experience the unbelievable modern technological overhaul for the new movie. I mean, it deserves all of the acclaim and awards and everything because it's just so good. Yep. Easy. Just agreed. Yep. Yeah. It, it's an absolute must watch. But we just ran through them all. Um, I, I told you we would keep it relatively short for you. So that was movie rundown number seven. That was movie rundown number six, I believe. Um, definitely go back and check out the other ones if you enjoyed listening. Uh, I think the most recent one was episode 136, and then you can see the rest by the names. But uh, anyways, thanks for listening. Tara, thanks for uh, recording with us on this late night. We're just wrapping up here uh, before midnight, and we'll see you guys on the next episode. See you next time. 